Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. You're very welcome to Tuesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Great to have you with us on the show again today. As usual, we have plenty of people to talk to. Interesting topics, music. Our two on Tuesday is really unusual today. And we continue our top five countdown with number four in the charts from this week in 1979 if you want to get in touch with us in the show and you just might want to because I have a little gift from Millbrook Market to give away to you in a wee while 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text is our number here in studio it's cold today again isn't it I still feel a little cold but the mildness is on the way but sadly with the mildness the blinking rain is back as well it doesn't look great for the next few days ah well Christmas is getting closer and closer which is really really exciting I have to say they're all excited I have to tell you as well in Arrow Tours in Drada because you see the one of the few travel agents remaining in, in the northeast it's been tough for them over the years but you see they're celebrating 65 years in business what an innings that is and just before coming on air because see they're very busy down there today because Santa Claus is arriving yes all the way from the North Pole anyway Ben Green is the uh, top man in our tours now and just before coming on air uh, he joined me and I began by asking him to go back to the beginnings the late 1950s when his dad Ted set up the business my dad, Ted Green, started the whole thing off 65 years ago. Um, and, and, yeah, back in those days, travel was a completely different ball game altogether. Um, the package holiday hadn't even been invented 65 years ago. And what an awful lot of what he was selling back then was rail and boat tickets particularly over to the United Kingdom, um, over to Liverpool, London, and places like that. Um, and yeah, look, at we're still here, thanks be to God, 65 years later. <laughs> We've gone yeah. through all sorts of ups and downs and ins and outs. Yeah, like you are a real testament to longevity. And, you know, you mentioned those early days, late 50s, but then, of course, moving on through the years, the package holiday did come on board. That was a huge boon for him and the business, wasn't it? That was that was a, a massive thing. I, that kind of started, as far as my understanding is, that started off with pilgrimages, where the likes of Joe Walsh Tours did pilgrimages down to Lourdes, um, and as the United Kingdom started to invent, you know, sunshine destinations, suddenly Joe Walsh realised that it was as easy 
to package something down to Spain as it was to Lourdes. It was the same model. You were just presenting it, you know, you know, packaging it to somewhere else. And quite overnight, um, there were there were charter airplanes going down to the exotic places like the Costa del Sol, um, and all throughout the seventies uh, and the eighties, this 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 phenomenon of um, of the package holiday took off. And if you remember budget travel, um, they did a fantastic job of of packaging these. And again, throughout the eighties brought in new destinations like an awful lot of the Greek islands and Turkey and places like that. But um, yeah, look, we've thankfully lived through all of that excitement. Um, and yeah, we, we, we now have, have have things like that, where that same package holiday is now kind of hand-stitched together. So back in the olden days, you had to go on a Saturday. You had to go for seven nights. You had no real option other than to do that. Both Aer Lingus and Ryanair now fly to an awful lot of these destinations like the Canary Islands or the Balearic Islands or the Costa del Sol or to Portugal on a daily basis. Mm. So we can, you know, hand-stitch a, a, a package holiday for you to go for eight days, ten days, 21 days, as long as you want, you know, we can we can put it together for you. Yeah, so you can customise nowadays to the client's requirements. But I think of what you said a moment ago, what you've survived, the various recessions, war, climate issues as well, the COVID pandemic. And the biggest thing, I suppose, uh, Ben, that I want to ask you about is, you know, the online aspect of booking holidays now. How do you, you know, survive in the context of that? How do we survive in, 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 in the internet era? First of all, Jerry, we were we were one of the first travel agencies in the country to have a website of our own upon which you could make a booking, and it's something that we realised very very quickly um, that travel is a very um, internet friendly commodity. So it is. Um, how do we survive as an ordinary high street travel agent? I'll tell you some of the tricks and the secrets that we've learned. One of the things about the internet is that it might present you with 500 hotels in a destination to, 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 to choose from. Back in the days when, when there were brochures and when we were a city break tour operator, we offered five hotels in Paris. I remember one morning waking up and coming into the office and going online and a new company who have since gone out of business were offering 500 hotels and we were we were shocked and stunned we're like mother god how are we ever going to keep up with this when you go to Paris or when you go to Spain or when you go to America you can only really stay in one hotel <laughs> at a time do you know what I mean yes, Jerry? so yes. so if I if I offer you 500 I'm confusing you if I offer you 3 or 4 or 5 and help you narrow down that choice. That's what we have found, Jerry. is what the difference is. And we've picked out, you know, four or five two-star, three-star, or four-star hotels in practically every destination um, and hand-picked and honed these choices down and fine-tuned them over the years so that we very, very much know what it is you're looking for um, before you come in the door. Mm, yeah, it's a huge 
benefit to the local travel agent that you do that. You know, you have the experience. You can recommend you're dealing with all the players as well. And I can see exactly what you're saying. And obviously, uh, your customers are loyal to you and uh, the, the business is rattling along. Thanks be to God, Jerry. Yeah, we have a very, very loyal customer base. Uh, and look, we're forever grateful for for that, you know. Um, again, they'll only come back in through the door if they get good service and if they get good value. Um, so, look, we do like to think that we offer that as much as we possibly can. Um, but, yeah, look, at it's a testament to the brilliant staff that I have here. Thanks be to God. When you think of it now, there are very few of you left on the high street. And at one stage, I can remember the oldies, the Carney Travels. Was Star Travel one as well on Stockwell Street there and others? That's another one, exactly. Uh, Fantasy Travel was another one there. We had, we had a budget travel um, on the high street as well. I think at one stage, Jerry, there were seven travel agencies in mm. the town of Drogheda. Mm. Um, but again, it's funny. I, I know that in Galway town, there's only one. Mm. Travel agency. Mm. Um, at Lone, there's only one. So, so, so look at. Um, while 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 we might be something that that's on the decline, um, we are an, a necessity. There's no two ways about it. Yeah, that's for sure. That's just your yourself and Globe are left. And Globe was your dad's at one stage, wasn't it? That was that's exactly right, Jerry. That was the first uh, office that that my dad opened. Um, and that was, I think, all of those 65 years ago. So, 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 so we've been at the game for that length of time. Um, and yeah, Lucas came over. He opened up Arrow Tours then uh, at the other side of town because he wanted to corner both ends of the street. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was a clever man, so he was. He, he was indeed. Well, you see, you're only maturing now. And I'm sure, of course, you are carrying on the mantle since you went into the business in 1987. Look, I wanted to just touch base with you. I wanted to say hello to you today, wish you well on the 65th year and to say Thank congratulations you. on your recent silver award at the World Choice where you won silver for Boutique Travel Agency of the Year. Congratulations to you, Ben. Jerry, thank you very, very much. And a sincere happy Christmas to you and all yours. Yes, and many happy returns to Ben and everyone at Arrow Tours. I have great trust, Louise. You know this myself in the travel agent. You know, I know you can yep. book online and I do some bookings for short uh, things, short trips and day trips and things like that. But by God, in the past, I have to say, especially with uh, our own Sandra Finnegan and Globe, she has been uh, so helpful, as you know. Somewhere to go to if something goes wrong yes, or if you need yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I absolutely would say that. And uh, it's well worth supporting your local travel agent because they are in Dundalk and Navin and Drogheda as well. We have them in, in the towns across uh, the northeast. But 65 years it's a fantastic it's amazing, yeah. I have to say. This day and age. Oh, yes. Ted Green had had great vision from he began in the early 50s. We wish them well. Now, competition time on late lunch. Millbrook Market. Well, it's Christmas at Millbrook on Kennedy Road in Navin. And we've, uh, we're delighted. They've given us a 50 euro voucher each day this week so as you can stock up on all your Christmas foodie treats. They have amazing desserts, cakes, hampers, party foods, not to mention the spectacular range of gluten free goodies. And a uh, Millbrook Market voucher would be a nice gift, wouldn't it, for the Christmas time? If you'd like to win that voucher with a stay and late lunch, here's the question. I mentioned desserts there. They have beautiful lemon meringue pies in the freezer there. I was just looking at them. Lemon meringue, Louise. Do you like a lemon meringue pie? Love them. 
Oh yeah, I do Beautiful. too. Aren't they? They're the one of my favourites. I have to say, and I don't like lemon normally, but it's gorgeous in the pie. Mm. I, I think it's the the um, you know Tartness. the meringue on the top and the tart is and and then the the base of course. Anyway, the question today is lemon meringue pie. Now you're not to answer this. <laughs> you're not to give the answer away. Are you okay there? Yeah, yeah I'll just please. I'll pull my do it. Is that okay? No, you're all right. You didn't well. I just don't give the answer. Anyway, I want to know in which U.S. city was lemon meringue pie first made. It was first made in a US city. And look, it's spread all over the world now. The, the US city, lemon meringue pie, synonymous with it. It was made there first. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Um, You're being very good there, thinking I'd know the answer to that. Did you not know it? No. Do you want to guess a city in the States? Go Mississippi. On. Wrong. Don't send it. <laughs> Go on, guess another one. Connecticut. Wrong. Go again. <laughs> New York. Wrong. There you go. Strike one more, three. one more, one more. Go on, see will you be lucky. Boston. No. So there you are. You didn't give it away today. <laughs> so don't send me any of those. Where was the lemon meringue pie made? Jesus, what would I At have done? At least I got them all what in America. Would, what would I have done? <laughs> I just, didn't say anything like Paris. <laughs> what would I have done had you said it? <laughs> I'm just thinking about that now. Anyway, come on, get your answers in to us and we'll pick a winner before the end of the show. I hope it's not too hard, that question. Anyway, we'll see what emerges. Late lunch, LMFM radio, and we'll emerge right after this break. Come on, kids, let's all make Christmas cards and send them in to Jerry Kelly on the Late Lunch Show on LMFM Radio. Thank you, Miss Ava. Really appreciate that. Yes, the cards are coming in to us, Louise, aren't they? Look at this one. Can I read this one? I picked out one today to read. Isn't this just lovely? It's a snow globe, Louise. A snow I think globe. on the front of this yeah. one. And in the snow globe is a, is a snowman and there's a tree and the snow is falling and it says Merry Christmas on the card. There's a lot of work going into this one, I can mm. tell you. And it comes in to us today from Erin Coogan, She's eight years of age from Cartown. Thank you, Erin. It's a lovely card. I really do appreciate it. Get the cards into us because you see, we have a lovely prize, haven't we, Louise? Yeah. Shoe City Castle Blaney, lovely 250 prizes, yeah. euro, 250 euro for Shoe City Castle Blaney, and a gift card for a toy store. And we have two more uh, toy store gift cards as well. Get your children making the Christmas cards. Get them into us here on LMFM Radio's Late Lunch. And it's a random draw. Isn't it? It's as simple as that. We are not, All in the bag. It's not a competition. It's an exhibition of the artwork of the children of the North East. Christmas cards this Christmas 2023. That's what we're looking for. And we'll pick at random Christmas week. Three uh, people out of the hat. And they will pick up those lovely prizes. If you're not in, you can't win. If you don't make the cards, parents, grandparents, teachers out there, anybody with children in their care, get them making cards and get them into us. You can drop them into the station. if you want. Yeah, you can. There's a lot of grown-ups there I'd love to colour in stuff this Christmas. Absolutely. Just put their name, age and where they're from on the card and the contact number, please, too. And uh, drop them into us here at the station. Uh, Reception's open 9 to 4, Monday to Friday. Not weekends, but there's a post box out there or you can pop them in the post and send them in to us. We love getting your children's Christmas cards up on the show after two. We say hello to Tom Kill, the Christmas man this Christmas time, but taking us towards two o'clock, top of the hour, on late lunch. It's a classic at Christmas. Yes, Vetchinaid Kelly is with us on the show at 2.30. Thank you. There are questions coming to us already for her. If you have a question for Sinead today, 
Now is the time to pop them into us. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Pat and Margaret, Olivia and John also has been on to say how much they admire Ben and the crew in our tours and they wish them well and congratulations on their 65 years in business. By God, you know your stuff when it comes to lemon meringue pies, that's for sure. Let me mention to you again our campaign running on LMFM in the moment. Do you know that one in three women have experienced psychological violence, one in six physical violence? Well, we're part of the 16 Days of Action Against Domestic Violence. It's a global campaign and here in LMFM we're supporting Women's Aid in the Dock, Drogheda Women's and Children's Refuge and Meath Women's Refuge, highlighting their work and support services for victims of domestic abuse. They need funding. And if you can help at all, they'd be so grateful. You can do so by logging on to idonate.ie forward slash fundraiser forward slash LMFM. And stay tuned to LMFM. We'll have more about the campaign across our shows here on the station. Moving on on late lunch this afternoon. Christmas is getting closer day by day. And we know on late lunch, you know on late lunch, that myself and Louise love our crisps and our audience love them as well. Well, at this time of the year, Kyo's crisps are on the money because their seasonal roast turkey and secret stuffing crisps are on the shelves. They've been on the shelves since Halloween. Joining me to say hello is Tom Kill. Hi, Tom. Terry, good afternoon. Great to talk to you again. And you too on the show. Well, I have to say, this is a flavour I haven't tried. How do you get roast turkey and secret stuffing into crisps, Tom? Well, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's a bit of a family secret, actually, because uh, <laughs> I... This, this flavour is probably on the market for about eight or nine years. Right. Um, and the origin, the turkey, the the, se- the seasoning recipe actually is, uh, is is actually my mother's own recipe that we gave to our flavourists to match. And the first the first herbs that actually went into that seasoning came from the herb garden uh, actually here at the farmhouse. So it has it has, it started as a very very small niche flavour about about eight years ago. Believe it or not, we launched it in Stephen's Green with Dust in the Turkey, who was protesting in <laughs> Dublin the fact that we could consider using turkey as a flavour. <laughs> um, but it's it's grown hugely in popularity over the years, and today, not only in Ireland, I think we sell it in about seven or eight countries around the world. Terrific! So it is your mammy's recipe in a bag. Mammy's recipe in a bag, exactly. And like like many Irish families, we're we're exactly the same. There's nothing like your mother's stuff on on on, on Christmas Day. No, that is so true. And it wouldn't be the same without the stuffing. So you've worked the magic and incorporated it into the crisps. Is it true what I said there that they they start to appear when once Halloween is over? And I suppose, Tom, from um, your perspective, how do you pitch or how do you know many bags to manufacture? Um, well, I suppose on, on the on the on the manufacturer side, yeah, we, we'd have our forecasts, and, and at this stage, we'd have you know seven eight years worth of sales. Yeah. To obviously, look back on and determine all that. Um, but I suppose the surprising thing is that we actually start making this flavor in July, um, because it's it's hugely popular in the states for Thanksgiving, and uh, there's lots lots of retailers all across America sell our turkey stuffing crisps around Thanksgiving. So the first orders would actually go out in early August. We produce in July, and uh, that sells extremely well. Then in, in the states for Thanksgiving, 
And then in Ireland, uh, you pretty pretty much yeah after after Halloween, you, you nearly set your watch by it. Basically, nine o'clock the morning after Halloween, um, that's when the, the Christmas order comes in, and that's when we start start selling the, the turkey stuffing flavour. It just shows you the way the seasons roll quickly, one into mm. the other. Looking at your range, you know we know the traditional crisp, but you have a, quite a range of the crinkle cuts now. How does that stack mm. up, or how does it break down? Is it still the the smooth crisp that's the most popular? Where did the crinkle cuts fit in? Well, well, yeah, we launched our crinkle cut, I think, in around 2016, 17. Mm. Um, and it has been the fastest growing part of our portfolio every year since. There you go. So, um, yeah, the Irish consumer really, really likes the, our crinkle cut product. And it's, it's very unique in that it's a batch fried crinkle cut, hand cooked. And that's, that's a very rare product on the market. It contains a little bit more seasoning than the standard straight crisp. So you get more of a more of a more of a flavour delivery with it, and those ridges in the crisp actually do help to lock the flavour in, and mm. um, so it, it gives it a far stronger stronger flavour. And um, with some retailers in this country, we actually sell more crinkle cut crisps now than we do straight cut, which is really surprising. Right, that's interesting, mm. and I see a flavour there that I never realised you had: uh, cashew blue and caramelised onion armadillo for the blue cheese. Well, yeah, it's it's a great flavour, um, and again, really loved working with the, with the Grub family down in in Cashel there with the Cashel blue cheese. It's an amazing cheese. It's famous all around the world, and it's made a beautiful crisp flavour. And believe it or not, we actually sell far more of that flavour overseas than mm. we do than we do in Ireland. Mm. Uh, yeah, I suppose mm. that when you talk about blue cheese, it is quite an acquired taste. But by God, have I acquired it over the years? Oh, Tom, Tom, <laughs> stop the lights, will you? But but I wanted to ask you too about um, your uh, popcorn because you've you've a, a range of popcorns as well. How, mm. how in the portfolio of Kyo's, how significant is that? Popcorn would be, I suppose. If you, let's think about the Irish market overall. So. So popcorn would probably be around 20% the size of the crisp market in Ireland. Mm. And it's about the same in our business here. It's about 20, 20% compared to, compared to the overall. Um, our, our, we, we hand pop the popcorn here on our farm. Believe it or not, I actually grew popcorn in Ireland for, for five years um, in, in a small amount under, under glass. And we just couldn't make it a commercial, commercially successful crop outdoors. We just don't have the autumn, the autumn weather here to allow that dry harvest in November. So we get our popcorn now from the south of France. Beautiful popcorn. Anybody, any of your your listeners who have tried our popcorn, it's a much bigger popcorn. It's a large bite, very mm. crunchy product. Really nice. We do a honey flavour with our with our popcorn and. Um, one of the issues we had with developing that flavour is that we couldn't get a guaranteed supply of Irish honey 12 months of the year. Right. So we actually ended up putting in our own honey farm. Mm. And we have 16 hives here in the farm where we produce our own honey, which goes into that honey popcorn flavour. Well it's, it's been a huge success here in the Irish market. And believe it or not, our biggest selling product in the Middle East is honey popcorn. It sells more than our crisps. 
There you go. They're enjoying it at the COP28 at the moment, folks. Yeah. Uh, the kills uh, uh, popcorn. You mentioned they're growing the, uh, the corn yourself. What about spuds? And we, we, we were talking about here on the show last week with growers in Louth and Mead, potato growers and the challenge of the weather and getting the crop yeah. out of the ground. How, how are you faring with supply? Um, well, I suppose we're, we're lucky in, in a way that, you know, obviously the family farm here, we grow most of our own raw material yes. ourselves. Um, now, of that, we, we finished our harvest here about last weekend, Sunday of last week, we, we finished our harvest. Extremely lucky. One of the latest harvests we've, we've had, ever had on record. We probably saved about 90% of the crop. About 10% has been lost. Mm. Um, but I, I suppose we're, we're not the norm. There's a, there's a lot of growers around around the country that are, have a lot of potatoes to harvest. And... Um, your listeners can see it in the field. The conditions are absolutely atrocious at the moment. And in a way, it's been caused by almost like a perfect storm. We had, we can all remember the really late spring we had. I think February was the driest month on record ever, ever in February. And then March was actually the wettest March ever on record. Yes. So March really set the tone for the year. March was extremely wet. It pushed our planting season uh, forward, uh, which delayed the whole year. So we already were going to have a late harvest. Then July hit us, and July was incredibly wet, and August wasn't much better, and the whole harvest season now has been quite wet. So not only did the weather push us into a late harvest season, the weather was also very bad during the harvest. So it's the perfect storm, and there's there's a lot of potatoes left to be harvested in the country, and pricing is very high at the moment. The price of raw materials and potatoes is very is very high because of those challenges. Um, and I know that, that you know, one, one thing is getting the potatoes harvested, but then there's also going to be a lot of issues in storage throughout the year. So we have thousands and thousands of tons in store now, but we're monitoring them every day to make sure that they don't start to break down and the quality doesn't deteriorate in store, which is also a huge challenge this year due to the growing conditions. I can only imagine if you get a, a rogue in your bag of spuds, which... I would do from time to time. I remember Divil, when I buy me mm. actually spuds for at home, I o- open the bag out and see, check them through to see if there's a rogue in them. I know the damage it causes and quite quickly and I can only imagine on a commercial scale what that's like. Anyway, the demand is buoyant. Crisps, who doesn't mm. like a crisp, Tom Kill? The demand is good, uh, thanks be to God. And, um, you know, big, big pull from overseas as well, which is which is great to see. We've uh, We've seen a lot of the global logistics issues which we've had over the last say 24 months they've started to stabilize now so there's a lot of markets whereby we couldn't commercially make it work exporting to but now with logistic prices coming down all of a sudden some of these markets have started to open up again so there's yeah good prospects overseas you're a great story, you really are and uh, the seasonal roast turkey and secret stuffing, got to check those out for myself, it'll be a first for me and I'm looking forward to them. Listen if I don't get up to see you in 2024 just cut me off your list will you, because <laughs> I've been promising you I am promising here today, I'll be up to see you because I want to have a good look at the operation and we'll, we'll uh, do a, a good feature on you, please God, in the new year but listen, continued success to Kyo's Tom thank you for joining us again on the show Thank you, Jerry. You're very welcome at any time. Hope to see you again soon.
I promise I'll be there, Tom. Take care of yourself. That's Tom Kill there from uh, Kills Chris. Yeah, and if I'm going to cop that seasonal roast turkey and secret stuffing, i got to try it. I love me, Chris. I love them too much, to be honest with you. Somebody out there saying, yum, yum, yum. You are so right. They're the words going through my head at this moment in time. Back in a moment, which are two on Tuesday. It's time for our two on Tuesday. Two on Tuesday. Playing the songs that just never quite made it to number one. But we were so close. I'm supposed to be number, number one. one. We were so close. Two on Tuesday. Two, two, one on Tuesday. Yeah, so two on Tuesday. Tuesday was released on the 6th of January 2017 and it was one of a double lead single from Ed Sheeran's third studio album. It spent five weeks at number two, never made it to top spot. It's about Framlingham Castle from his hometown and growing up there. Yes, sir, two on Tuesday, this Tuesday is Mr Ed Sheeran and Castle on the Hill. Ed Sheeran, our two on Tuesday, Castle on the Hill. So what prevented that one from making it to number one? Well, this is really unusual because I told you that song was issued as a double single from his third studio album. The other song on that double single was the one that prevented it going to number one. And when I tell you that it was Ed Sheeran's Shape of You that spent 14 weeks at number one, 13 consecutive, a break and then back for one week, some number one it was. So Sheeran preventing Sheeran, Sheeran from making it to top spot. Let's have a listen to the one that was number one for weeks and weeks. Yes, it's Ed and Shape of You. The club isn't the best place to find the lovers so of the bar is where I go. My friends at the table doing shots, tripping fast, and then we talk slow. Come on, I'm in love with your body. shape of you. Sheeran prevents Sheeran making it to number one. Yes, that's the one that prevented our two on Tuesday, Castle on the Hill, making top spot. And in the context of those songs, we'll mention Francis Kane from Navin, St Mary's Park. All your friends wish you a happy birthday this very day. The jury is sitting. It's in session. Is it Castle on the Hill or Shape of You for Miss Louise Walsh? Um, head and everything I love 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 Castle on the Hill definitely but I have an emotional attachment to Shape of You because it was being played in the background in the hospital when my dad died oh yeah so I'm going to have to go with that Shape of You and it's unanimous from the jury on late lunch today because I go with Shape really? of You too yes. I thought you'd go with the castle no Shape of You is a wonderful wonderful song and the riff in it I think it's subsequently been used in television advertising etc but it's a great great song but that man he just dominated the charts mm, around that, that period he had so many songs in the top five etc but have there we you heard are of, have, have we heard from him lately? not lately not no. much I saw he was at uh, was he at the Katie Taylor fight? Oh, he was indeed. There's loads of pictures of him lying in front of him. And he's been here and there around Ireland. Uh, But uh, nothing much recording-wise. Watch this space in 24. I'm sure there'll be more from Ed Sheeran. I think he got a bit of a nod. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. With that case, you know, that was claiming he had, mm. you know, stolen some riffs or music from somebody else, which he won. He won hands down. But uh, he was just saying, like, in the future, you know, making music, it sort of made me think and uh, made him think a little bit more about things. But he's full of talent. He really is. He'll be back. That's for sure. Yeah. Anyway, back with us uh, in a few moments on Late Lunch is our vet, Sinead Kelly. I am so delighted to welcome back to studio our vet, Sinead Kelly. Well, it's been a while, hasn't it, since you've been here? It has. I was just thinking the last time I was here was with Her, her Royal Highness uh, Cleo and then between COVID and then looking at my mum and everything, I haven't been back since. So, uh, yeah. yeah, very strange coming in today and I have uh, Cleo's one true heir who we were just talking about her. So, uh, <laughs> Cleo sent us um, uh, a crazy but lovely Springer Spaniel who turned up at a friend of mine's door last summer um, soaking wet and freezing cold and fleas and lice and nobody wants her nobody owned her no reports of her to the dog warden or any vets or the guards so my friend said do you you, you like Springer Spaniels and I was like yeah but it's only six months of the last Cleo I couldn't I couldn't I just want Cleo I don't want anyone else and he went oh come and have a look and so I went to have a look and so that was the a rest fatal mistake history. the rest is history so yeah and, and she's brilliant she's yeah. soft as butter she's absolutely brilliant but she was very nervous initially but now she's like Cleo in that very food orientated but uh, I was just saying to you we joke a wee bit in that Cleo was like superhuman Cleo was human really and Robin is like just hasn't quite got the brain power. So we just joke a wee bit that, that Robin just doesn't quite know what's going on most of the time. But no, she's fab. She's fab. She's with, lovely. Yeah, she's soft and gentle and all she wants is love and cuddles. Mm. I reckon she was a breeding bitch who either escaped or was dumped because she was in season. I could tell she had loads of puppies from her poor um, nipples. Um, so we got her spayed, got her vaccinated microchip and everything. And um, she goes mad if she hears puppies squeaking or hears any baby sound. She's desperate. Yes. She wants to carry everything around. Um, so whether, I don't know whether she was, I mean, like, 
especially up where we are, everybody wants the gun dogs and they always say to me, oh, does she hunt? And I'm like, she does not hunt. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but she's, she's fab, yeah. She's lovely. She's, and, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, always Cleo was gorgeous when she came in here and became quite used to the studio. Yeah, and she'd go for well. a sleep. Yeah, she whereas would. Robin she is would. like, so if we get any barking I now, I yeah. do excuse. Yeah, ah, she's, she's, she's a different she's kind grand. of She's grand on our first yeah. visit and we welcome her. And look, just to say, uh, Sinead's mum passed away. Yeah, and so that was very hard. Remember your mum when Argentina won the World Cup yeah, and yeah. all the fun she had but uh, look we're very sorry that uh, I know but I was lucky I, one of the reasons I didn't come in was I was looking after at home so yeah. I was lucky I could do that for so long yeah but yeah. mum was very special so yeah it's tough but yeah it's the, the wheels of life turn yeah. don't they and, and they just yeah. turn relentlessly for sure but anyway she what age was she was she was two days off her 92nd birthday oh my god yeah, yeah. she was a great yeah. age and she was like up until a year and a half before she was still totally independent doing everything herself yeah. Um, and she was great she was I know everyone's mum is special but she was a wonderful wonderful lady but yeah she had a long healthy life she did she did she did we, we, and then the loss of that is mm. I'm lucky I'm 54 I, I still had my mum up until yes, then but yes. consequently then you see everything through the prism of I must go and tell mum or show mum or get mm. this for mum or mm. so, yeah. I know but, I know I know anyway we think of her today and we have a new friend you. in studio yeah. with you as well let's get to some of the questions that are coming to us and funny the first question is about a rescue dog Jerry could you ask Sinead I have a rescue, Jack Russell. I took her in as a companion for another rescue I had. But unfortunately, due to old age, I had to put the other dog to sleep. Since that, she's really playing up. She's just not behaving well at all for this uh, person. And uh, she's wondering, you know, is it that she's this dog is missing the other dog? They have two cats as well and they get on well. But why that change in behaviour? Oh, definitely. I mean, animals can make incredibly close and strong bonds um and so it, it especially if if your new dog settled in really well with your existing dog for that dog to suddenly disappear um and obviously i don't know what the circumstances are or whether the dog was maybe put to sleep at home or passed away at home or at the vets often it's so difficult for the other dog to understand what's happened and they can certainly go into a period of being sad and withdrawn and, and, and unhappy. Um, so what I would probably say first of all, obviously I'm not sure of the time scale, is maybe just check that are, are all the basics okay? So is our little dog that we still have, are we peeing and pooing okay? No vomiting, eating and drinking well? There's no kind of physical clinical reason why the behaviour might have gone a little bit strange. Sometimes dogs can behave strangely or act up if they're sore, if they have sore ears or a sore mouth or a sore skin or so so it's a good idea to get a, vet, a general vet check um, the other thing then is probably to to look at maybe um, investing in doing a little bit of dog training I know that you might think well the dog is too old no dog is too old and the reason I'm saying that is that a lot of these different dog training clubs you can you can socialise the dog can socialise get to meet other dogs interaction again it's almost like with humans you know just getting out and about in the world um, so they can meet other little ones often you can arrange then maybe to go for a walk with somebody else and their dog and you might then discover would the dog maybe be happy to have another dog with them um, so that's something you can kind of investigate but definitely a little bit like the way we would tend to kind of I just want to hide away under the duvet maybe the dog needs to get out and about and see other dogs and other people um, as long as we're happy that physically we're okay but definitely definitely there's a big psychological impact and even when when I was very lucky I was able to put Cleo to sleep at home um, and I felt it was very important for the cats who absolutely adored her to come in and see her when they were out of the room and we let her go to sleep but that they come in and see that she'd passed away um, and, and a lot of people I know feel that and, and who knows what they do absorb yes. or don't absorb mm. but it's very strange when they suddenly 
lose the, yes. their friend, their yes. pal. So so definitely, definitely, you know, worth investigating a little bit and, and definitely you'll, you'll get your little dog's behaviour back again. Next one. Um, I have a 12 year old Bichon who is food mad. One meal used to do. Now he's constantly looking for food. Last night he ripped open a bag of uncooked potatoes and chewed on them. Should I feel feed him more Sinead? Now this listener says his weight is normal. Okay, so the one thing I would say is if you have a dog who's always been hungry, greedy, that's one thing. If you have a dog who suddenly has become very hungry, again, worth investigating is there a physical reason for this. So there's a few medical conditions that'll cause increased hunger. So diabetes, for example, um, some liver disorders and also a disease called Cushing's disease, which actually has a higher than usual incidence in Bichons. So if you've suddenly noticed that the dog is ravenous and greedy and Bichons wouldn't normally be a breed, I would say they're not like the Springers in the labs who'd be mad food orientated. So I would definitely, especially if we're not gaining weight with the increased appetite worth just checking with your vet is it worth a wee physical checkup that we've no physical cause of what we call polyphagia which is a very fancy term for increased appetite if you've ruled out all your medical things then it might be worthwhile and if your vet is happy the dog's in good body condition maybe divide the one meal into two meals or three smaller meals or if we feel that the dog just maybe likes and enjoys more food you can go for healthy food so things like cooked chicken is very high in protein or some dogs are quite happy just to have cooked vegetables like broccoli or carrots or, you know, things that a bit like us, if we are feeling we want, we have the munchies. But thankfully, dogs are maybe a little bit less discerning than we are. But definitely make sure that that's not coming from a physical problem, because certainly a sudden onset polyphagia, uh, increased appetite in a 12 year old dog. I would want to make sure that there's no underlying pathology going on there. So definitely have a chat with the vet. Okay, very good. Another one and more about a a potential pet owner than um, the pet itself. The, the listener says, I suffer from a number of allergies and would would love to have a dog or a cat, but I'm constantly being put off by family, friends and what I read. What does Sinead think? OK, so if you're allergic to, it depends what you're allergic to, but a lot of people who have multiple allergies, um, one of the big triggers would be um, dog fluff or cat fluff. Now, this is especially sh- true if the animals shed an awful lot. So I would definitely stay away from kitty cats, but there are a few breeds of dog that seem to be much less likely to trigger allergic responses. So they are normally things like uh, little poodles um, or bichons. So you can do a little research online, look up um, non-shedding or kind of non-allergy triggering dog breeds. And then what you should probably do is maybe see, can you find someone who owns one of these dogs, if you're interested, say, in bichons or, or poodles and see, you know, go to that as long as your allergy is not a life-threatening one that you need to say an EpiPen for. If it's something like, okay, you get itchy skin or itchy eyes, then you can do a little controlled exposure to this dog and see, are you okay once you've, you know, touched that dog, rubbed that dog and maybe you're touching your face or things like that. Now, all of us, if we are rubbing dogs or cats and then rub our eyes, that will always trigger a crazy reaction. But if you're allergic to long-haired cats or most dogs, it's worth trying exposure to a Bichon or a Poodle. I think there's another couple of breeds and they just got out of my head at the moment. Um, But definitely, you know, that's worth thinking about. Um, But again, it just depends on what your allergies are like. If you're somebody who's needing EpiPens with with your allergic triggers, then you need to be much more careful and have a much more controlled exposure. But definitely look up these kind of less likely to trigger allergies. So your nice little dogs like your Bichons or your Poodles and and have a little little think about that. So there you go. You're not ruled out. You're not out of the game at all. And that's very important to know. Short break. There's still time if you want to get a question to Sinead. 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp. 
WhatsApp or text. We're back in a moment. Sinead Kelly is with us on Late Lunch and her new four-legged best friend, Robin the Springer Spaniel, is here with us too. Is that an Irish or an English Springer you have there? That's an English Springer Spaniel. Yeah, so she's they call her liver and white. I don't know why, because liver does not look like that in, in the animal or um, when one eats liver. So it's, I would say, chocolate brown. Why yeah. they don't call them chocolate brown and white? I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> she's an English Springer Spaniel. Yeah, oh, found, found in Kildare. Yeah, that's and her. behaving very well, I have she's to say. She's very good, yeah. There'll be no worth so far. For a first visit, exactly, I, I have to say. Exactly. Absolutely brilliant. Here's another one for you. Hi, Sinead. I have an 11-week-old German Shepherd oh, puppy who is very nippy. Okay. Any tips on uh, getting us through this phase, yeah, please? Yeah, and that's the word. It's a phase. So basically, it's a bit like having a teething baby again. So basically... Um, Puppies are quite like toddlers. They explore the world through their mouth. So the temptation for them is to mouth things, chew things, play with things. So a few things you can do is make sure there's lots of, of good, suitable, chewable toys, like some of the Kong toys or some of these different Nyla bones that you can play with them under supervision that they can do all the chewing and the mouthing. The most important thing to do is because sometimes people start off and they let the puppy chew their fingers, chew their hands, chew their clothes. You've got to say no and stop that and say no, turn away, pull away, withdraw and just use the word no as a reprimand and the game ends. And so the problem is that, especially if there's children involved and they think it's funny um, and it's not so difficult when the teeth are tiny, but as they get bigger, it becomes more of an issue. So make sure the dog has lots of, we call it oral stimulation so that they have lots of things that they can chew um, and then lay your boundaries down. Even now at 11 weeks old, it's not too soon to lay your boundaries down. So make sure the dog's got lots of stimulation, lots of things they can do. And whenever they're turning onto your fingers or your hand, you just take your hand or your fingers away produce a toy a suitable toy instead um, and, and then kind of you know, you you stop the game of the playing with the hands because it does become a quite addictive thing we we go to greet them we pick them we, we're touching them and they're mouthing our hands so make sure you try and have some of these really good toys again just be careful with the toys a puppy might chew little bits off and they might get stuck so never have these toys under without supervision Lovely thank you Sinead for that one uh, I have a red setter Jerry, 12 years old and um, Sometimes after eating and then lying in front of the fire, loves the heat, this Mm. dog, the listener says, seems to throw up. Has the heat of the fire or lying in front of the fire anything to do with this? Okay, so there's a couple of questions in there. So red setters are one of the breeds of dogs that are prone to a condition called mega esophagus, so whereby their esophagus gets a little bit dilated. And so the classic sign of that is that the dog will bring up food uh, through what we call passive regurgitation, maybe not long after eating. So the owner needs to differentiate. Look at the dog the next time the dog brings anything up. Do they just put their head down and out comes the stuff? Or do they see what we call active vomition or active vomiting? So the active vomiting is a real violent act you'll see the dog's sides are heaving in and out the abdomen is contracting there's a huge amount of effort involved so if it's an active vomit and it's occurring you know a few hours or a short time after eating then again that's something that needs to be investigated by the vet because uh, especially in an older dog do we maybe it could be related to liver issues kidney issues maybe you know primary kind of uh, gut reaction or allergies lots of different things if it's just that the dog is just lowering the head and out we go with the regurgitation um, then again it's worthwhile again your vet will want to just make sure we haven't developed this thing called a mega esophagus where the so our esophagus is the tube that goes from the back of our throat to our stomach and as they just setters are more prone to that whereby if it gets kind of floppy and dilated the food instead of kind of going straight down to the stomach it just kind of sits there and if the dog drops his head or relaxes it just comes straight back up again so it sounds silly and often we as vets are kind of going well what was the dog doing did you just go or 
was he heaving? Yes. And and often I would say video the dog the next time it happens. Okay. But definitely chat to the vet. Vomiting, vomiting once a week or regurgitating once a week, that's fine. Any more than once a week is really not normal and should be investigated. And the heat of the fire has nothing, nothing really to, to do with this. No, nothing to do. I'd say it's because the dog is relaxed. No, nothing yes. to do with that. So, I mean, a lot of dogs will maybe bring up a bit of bile if they've an empty tummy first thing. Um, but if your dog is vomiting more than once a week, that's that's worthy of investigation because they shouldn't be. Now, dogs are unique. They have the most easy to trigger vomit reflex, which is a protective mechanism because they're the exquisite scavengers of the world. They eat everything. So the fact that they're so easy to trigger to vomit helps them from getting poisoned all the time or a lot of the time. But it just means that they can vomit at the drop of a hat. But some owners kind of go, ah, sure, he does that every day. It's grand. It's not grand. Once a week is fine. Not more than that. Okay. Um, Interesting question there about a dog shedding. My dog is shedding mad at this time of the year. Is that unusual? And I'll just add to that. I had Messi over with uh, All Pets today and Anne-Marie. And it was something I mentioned to her as well, because I've taken a couple of huge bags of his coat out, say, in the last month or so. And she said to me, you need to do it again. And she was just saying to me, it's because it's cold outside and yeah. you have them in your yeah. utility. So, is it- so so all dogs, they tend to, they, they're supposed to just have two big seasonal molts in a year. So a lot of owners will notice around springtime and around autumn time, suddenly the floof is coming from everywhere on top of your general shedding. Yes. If I had a cure for molting, I think I've said this before, I wouldn't be sitting here. I'd be in the Bahamas or somewhere very nice because it's what drives everybody mad. Um, so no, if the molting is accompanied by no itchiness, no, no actual ball patch, no redness or irritation it's just going to be general molting but again what you need to do what what a lot of people don't want to do they say well I won't brush them because it makes the molting worse but actually you do need to brush them because the molting is they're often losing the kind of older fur the dead fur so yeah you need to get almost like some of these kind of stripping kind of zoom grooms just to get all that fur out and hoover it all up again if you've got someone got allergies in the house it can be very very difficult I hoover every day with two cats and a dog and that sounds crazy but you have to otherwise you have to ignore the tumbleweed in your house um, but yeah so if we've no ball patches no redness no itchiness you, you can let it go but I'm afraid there's no magic cure I'm so sorry yeah and I, I did it a couple of weeks ago and you said it was like a barber shop yeah. after you've had you can make a whole new in. dog I often do that you can make a whole new cat or a whole new dog um, but yeah unfortunately um, it's just part of life and um, you know as you're saying often it's due to temperature differentials between cold outside warm inside and as they they're supposed to have this kind of twice a year kind of mad mold yeah well look at uh, I have to say I will do what I was told today I'll give him another good comb I have a lovely comb and it'll take it yeah. out and I often feel they feel better for it as well oh You'll they see do them, don't they the, the thing is that um, if you have if you don't get rid of this fur it can ultimately become a bit matted matted fur can be quite tight to the skin the skin yes. gets dry gets itchy so definitely always a good idea just to give them a nice old brush every day if you can absolutely Sinead you're great as I said this woman could answer all questions that just come to her <laughs> off the cuff I could talk whether I could give the hundred percent right answer I'm not quite sure I know you can talk but you have the knowledge as well it's great to see you back in studio wish you well with everything and uh, your new friend Robin the Springer Spaniel thanks for bringing her into us today See you soon. Thanks, Vivian. See Thank you soon. You. Late lunch, LMFM Radio coming up after three on the show. Uh, a lady who changed careers entirely. She's a jeweller now, but she has a great backstory and uh, the number four in our top five countdown. But taking us to top of the hour three, it's Miss Kylie Minogue. It's been a long time to be missing you, you, you. You're on your way now, leper, and I'm over the moon. Everything. 
things all in place But there is one thing clear Christmas isn't Christmas till you get here Those sleigh bells ring, ring, ring Whole room is bling, bling, bling So many fairy lights are busy Sparking, they glimmer and they glow It's all for you, my dear Christmas isn't Christmas Now, let me tell you that our competition all this week is for a 50 euro voucher each day from Millbrook Market, Kennedy Road, Navin. They have a wide selection of desserts, cakes, hampers, you name it for Christmas time. They have the frozen range. We're looking at the sweets they have as well. They're fantastic. Old and new. And they have gluten-free goodies as well. And what about a Millbrook Market voucher? For a gift this Christmas to somebody, you'll be able to spend it and avail of the wonderful selection they have in the store. Anyway, today the question for the 50 euro voucher was about lemon meringue pie. I wanted to know in which US city did it originate. Louise had about four or five stabs at Philadelphia is the answer we're looking for today. Philadelphia was the one and you are clever clogs out there. Anyway... The 50 euro voucher today is going to, we did a little spin here, whose name came out? It was Colin Megan, well done to you Colin, and uh, actually Colin, I just see him there, uh, he had a little message, he said, my gran lived there, that's how he knew the answer, and always had it when we were out there for a meal. Uh, keep saying it was Philadelphia who made it first, it was indeed, anyway Colin, well done to you. Today, we'll have another one to give away a 50 euro voucher for Millbrook uh, Market tomorrow on the show. It's time now for this on Late Lunch. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today, it's... The number four from this week in 1979. And this song became an international success. It did indeed. Uh, Number one, it eventually had made to on uh, the UK charts. And in America, well, it was big at that time. It went to number six. But three weeks at number one in the UK. Number four in our countdown from this week in 79. Yes, it's Doctor Who himself. And when you're in love with a beautiful woman. The pandemic forced my next guest's hand. You see, she was doing something completely different pre-pandemic to what she's doing now because, you see, she's heading for the Contemporary Craft and Design Fair at the RDS, which starts tomorrow and runs to the 10th of December with her jewellery business called Dika Designs. Hello, Deirdre Caulfield. Hi, how are you? I'm really good and thanks for joining me on the show today. We spotted your story in the Mead Chronicle this week. I'm delighted to talk to you on the show. Well, you a stage builder at Glastonbury. Yeah, so um, I used to work full-time in events, um, building stages and large-scale um, art installations, kind of globally. Um, 
And I suppose when the pandemic um, hit, events were the first one to yeah. kind of to stop. Um, yes. So I ended up coming home. Back home to mommy and daddy. Yeah, exactly. Like the rest of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not easy for and, sure. But yeah. you know something before you go on? <laughs> I know your people because they are Caulfield Country Boards, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly Oh, it. yes, was, uh, I featured brother. them on this <laughs> show a few moons ago, so I know where I am now with you for sure. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. you came back home, so did you scratch your head or what did you do? Or Tell us what happened. Yeah, well, I suppose I was used to making um, things on such a large scale and it was it was quite hard to like come home and not be able to have that outlet anymore. So um, I started making hardwood jewellery um mm. so it's essentially like more kind of wearable art um and obviously with the influence of um Caulfield country boards and the joinery background yes um i think i just i kind of wanted to give hardwoods like a new lease of life in the realm of jewellery design like usually it's um diamonds and you know sapphires that would take the lead yes. in in jewellery design but you know, what would happen if we framed um, hardwood and our natural resources as something as precious um, as as diamonds and, and everything else. So that was kind of the start of the project. So um, I'm looking yeah, at your designs was, uh, here. I'm looking at what you do as I sit here in the studio and I'm really uh, impressed because um, uh, the wood and the precious metals combined, they, they there really yeah. is a synergy. I have to say there, but I have to ask you this: you, you, you know those little pieces of timber, may I call them, or the hardwoods? By God, they're intricate to to do, are they? Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, I I saw like some hardwood jewellery, and it'd be quite um large, and and kind of the challenge was was to like work work with it on a scale that it would kind of compete with like fine jewellery yes. which would be like tiny like minute scale so it was still kind of maintaining um or you know the the delicacy of fine jewellery but with with hardwood so yeah well you've done it young <laughs> woman you have achieved it may i say because that really struck me about it because the i'm, I'm sure there's so much goes into uh the making of this but you've got it that's you're right normally when you see wood associated even with wearable jewelry or anything it's big mm. it's brash it's bold but yours yep. is petite and delicate <laughs> and gorgeous may i say thanks very much it really is. And, uh, of course, now you're heading to this uh, craft and design fair, the annual one at the RDS. It's a big showcase for people mm-hmm. like you. I take it this is significant in spreading the word and letting people see what you do as well. Yeah, exactly. So I've actually just finished um, setting up the stand. Mm. Um, I'm in the main hall. I'm 112 and I'm sharing with Claire O'Connor. And, uh, yeah, we're really, really excited. It'll be my first gifted this year. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to meet everybody and to see. Yeah, it's great because it is a showcase of your work. And as I said, it is an annual event and the people who go there, you know, are serious about looking for something different than you, which I think you have. So folks, if you listen today, remember that number for the RDS. 112 is the one you got to go to. 112 is where you'll meet this wonderful lady. What what an adjustment, what a change for you. Obviously, you know... Dika Designs is now your baby and your business. There's no going back to 
Glastonbury or things like that, is there? No. No, no, no. I think, yeah, you, that's it, like, spot on, is that it does feel like my baby now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm going to keep going down this route, I think, and see. The jewellery is definitely changing as it goes on. Um, mm. um, I've added in kind of more architectural materials this year, um, like marble, and um, then I've combined it this year now with more, like, luxury statement, kind of large pearls and stuff, so... It's definitely um, developing as a project. So yeah, yeah and I'm exciting. Excited. Yeah, it is exciting. And of course, you have the family background there with the uh, coffee yeah. country boards and all they do so brilliantly as well. So there's a real coming together of you and your talent uh, within the family too. Um, anyway, you're set up there. It's a, it's a big occasion. You're all set and ready to go. The stands are full and the excitement is building from tomorrow to the tent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, keep doing what you're doing because we really do like it. When we we had a look at you today and thought, God, this is certainly different. And yeah, you've uh, found a niche there for yourself. And uh, good you. luck to you in the future Thanks with so with everything. Thanks for joining me in the show and best of luck Thank the next you. few days. Take care. Bye. Okay. That's Deirdre Caulfield there from Dika Designs. Check her out online there. That's D-E-E-C-R, Dika Designs. She is one talented young woman. Louise, just before we go, uh, I meant to mention to you earlier on the show, I did this to you yesterday. I know I'm catching you on the hop. Watched a fascinating programme on BBC4 last evening about Dr. Jan Karbat, a fertility doctor in the in the Netherlands. He was one of the first to do uh, this fertility treatment for women who were hoping to have babies and couldn't have them, you know. Okay. The only thing was he took his work too seriously. All right. And too personally. Okay. Because they reckon now he's the father of hundreds of children. Wild oats comes to mind. My God, what that man did. It, like, it's incredible. Part three is Why on did he week. do it? Because he thought his, 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 maybe his genes were stable and okay to pass on or did he want to pass on his looks and his did it well, give any reason or well I have to see the final part next week they actually showed two parts last night and the third part is next okay. Monday but he didn't live to tell the tale he died in 2017 and I don't think people understand but this is unbelievable if mm. you saw the children he used his own sperm and not the donor sperm at all to impregnate uh, many, this only many came women. out after he died no, it actually broke before he died and he denied it and everything. But you want to look at the children. How to deny DNA? You want to look at the children. Just look at them. And you see all the... Now you have lots of half-brothers and half-sisters and God knows who many more as well around the place. And what the implication of that is, you know, yeah, for future generations, absolutely. nobody knows... Oh, horrific stuff. Absolutely horrific stuff. Anyway, if you get a chance, uh, the third part is on next Monday on BBC Four by Dr. Yan. the Christmas presents Carver. he would have had to buy. Oh, Lord Almighty. Don't even go there. I suppose he bought none. And he had, he had children outside. He had children within a marriage. He had other children outside of his marriage. He had an affair with a woman or two. And then he used his sperm to do what do what he did. He was some bio, I can tell you that. Anyway, that's it on Late Lunch this afternoon. Uh, leave you with that thought. Eddie Cavery's on his way with the drive here on LMFM Radio. We are back with Midweek Late Lunch, a Wednesday at 1.30. We'll see you then. 